All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a June 8th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Uremchuk and Mike McKenna with you. And there are no hockey games tonight. And it really makes you long for the days of round one and round two when there were multiple big games every single night. But I suppose this is a chance to relax. So I ask you, Mike McKenna, what's on the grill tonight? I know you're not going to sit here with a night of oh, no dude. hockey and not have anything going. You got it. You nailed it, man. So last night I got some chicken going on the grill. It was great. But today I'm doing carne asada tacos. Dude, I'm amped. I've had these these things marinating in the fridge here overnight. So you nailed it. What are you going to do with your evening, Tyler? I honestly don't know. But sometimes I feel like I need to mute your Instagram stories because they make me both hungry and jealous while I sit and eat craft dinner for a fourth straight night. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into well what we saw last night on the ice. And that was another convincing victory by the Tampa Bay Lightning taking down the New York Rangers four to one. It was the Stars who came through Vasilevsky, 34 saves. You look at Palat with another huge goal, three point night. Kucherov, unreal. Stamkos, big goal. But Mike McKenna, the scoring was started by a depth piece by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's showing once again, he's got a bit of a knack for big goals. Pat Maroon. I mean, this is a guy who's got six game-winning goals in the playoffs during his career. And look at his stat lines. There's a slight drop-off in production in playoffs versus the regular season, but it's pretty much in lockstep. And you think about those big moments that he's come up in, uh, you know, even with the St. Louis Blues, sending them to a cup final, and then last night scoring just under three minutes into the game. This is a fourth-line player at this point in his career, but he's still producing it 
third of a point a game, you know, a little more than that. He's got 48 points in 136 total. And, you know, when I look at for me, it's this is the exact type of player that you need to win. And that whole depth roster for the Lightning, okay? Belmar was fantastic last night. Why was Maroon able to score? Because Zach Bogosian goes driving into middle ice for the Lightning to create the opportunity for Maroon to get the goal. That's where the difference in the series is to me is that not just are the Lightning's top players doing what they need to, Kucherov, Palat, Stamkos. It's also the depth, man. And dude, even last night watching Vasilevsky, he's just casually kicking rebounds off his pads to his teammates. In like kind of like dangerous situations, to me, that's a goaltender who just oozes confidence. And I think that the Lightning so far in the series, biggest thing, they keep getting better throughout games. They've been way better in third periods. And, and that's been the tale of the tape. Yeah, they've been getting better throughout games. And historically, they're a team that gets better as the playoff series goes on. You think about their Mm -hmm. Game 7 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. You think about those insane stats that Andre Vasilevsky has in elimination games throughout his career as well. So if I'm the Rangers, I'm kind of sitting there and ooh, the collar's getting a little tight right now, even though the series is tied up at two. We'll talk about them in just a second. But the other guy, just quickly here, like Andre Palat, he's a guy who maybe doesn't get as much love as a Kucherov or a Stamkos or a Hedman or a Vasilevsky, but he's been a key part of these Stanley Cup wins. He's a guy who's probably getting himself a pretty good contract this summer. Granted, it might not be with the Lightning. Oh, he better. I mean, and this dates back to the developmental phase of his career with the Norfolk Admirals, him, Kucherov, Johnson, the triplets, like all the young guys that played in Tampa. Palat is, is somebody who's not just underrated, like he's a big time player. I can't wait to see if he ends up staying in Tampa because I'd love to have him on my first line somewhere else. I'd throw big money at him this summer if I had that chance. We're going to have some more offseason talk a little bit later, but let's shift the conversation to the Eastern Conference Finals from a Rangers perspective. And I mean, if you're a Rangers fan and want to feel optimistic, well, look at this. The home teams won every game, and that's been a trend that's been pretty apparent for the New York Rangers throughout this playoff run. If you look at their stats when they're at home versus when they're on the road, it's quite the contrast. Eight and one at MSG, two and seven when they're on the road, scoring almost an average of two less goals per game as well. And that goal differential, I mean, that is, that's quite something there down at the bottom. You know, you could sit there and say, yes, the home teams won every game. But at the same time, it feels like Tampa Bay really picked up steam over their last two wins. Mike, are you confident the Rangers can keep up this home trend or do you think they're going to be back on their heels a little bit? Well, I have some reservations about the Rangers at this point. And I mean, they're a team I like, and I felt like they had to win the first two games of the series to have a chance to win it. And they did. The problem is now you're coming back tied two to two and the Rangers are missing Ryan Strom, potentially maybe even Philip Hedo who left the game. I mean, if you're missing both of your two of your top centermen down the middle, and by the way, Hedo was absolutely driven the kid line with Lafreniere and Capo. So, you know, where are they in terms of that? They need their health, but that also comes with matchups and the Rangers do get that on home ice. Gerard Gallant can choose who's out to face the, the the lightning players in instances. And I think really, Tyler, what it comes down to for me is that the Rangers absolutely have to win more battles in the defensive zone. They have to play harder, especially against the walls. Like Stamkos' goal last night was a perfect example where Palat beats two Ranger players off the wall, gets to middle ice, and Stamkos just has to clean up in front. I thought the Rangers had too many long shifts last night. Tampa Bay wore them down. And again, that third period stat. Shots are 66-34 in favor of Tampa in the third period in this series. So I think Tampa's been faster. They've worn the Rangers down. The Rangers have to take advantage of the matchups at home ice, but they need some health here as well. 
Yeah, they really do. And if we could flash up those lines again, like you talked about the kid line, what an important trio that was for them in those games, mm-hmm. one and two victories. You subtract Strom from this equation, you subtract Heedle from this situation. Like I get, you know, Goudreau can maybe move up. Maybe you put Cop in the middle, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, but it really depletes their depth without their two middle six centermen. And I mean, there probably is a little bit of pressure now. If those guys are out, we should say if it's the playoffs, you never know. But if they're That's out, right. I think there's pressure on the Kreider and Zibanejad to be like, hey, look at what the Stars in Tampa just did for two games. Let's go. Come through for us here. Have a big game five. Yeah, and they have. That's the thing. Like, where are you going to get yeah. the depth from now at this point? And I, I just think that it's it's been a tough task for Gerard Gallant. I mean, he threw the lines in a blender last game trying to make it happen. Cop took a lot of faceoffs at center ice. Um, but I think he's going to have to find a winning combination of lines pretty early in game five uh, if they want to be able to get a win and get ahead in the series. Let's shift to some off-season talk here. And there's been some interesting conversations happening amongst Bruins fans over the last couple of days. Uh, Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic putting out a report that, hey, maybe there's a chance David Pasternak could be on the trading block this summer. We know the deal with him needing an extension right away. He's on one of the best bargain deals in the NHL, especially when you just, I mean, look at this production, right? Like 40 goals, 20 goals in 48 games, 48 goals. Like, He's one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. But you look at the situation in Boston. Bruce Cassidy's out. No one knows what's going on with Patrice Bergeron, McAvoy, Marchand. They're going to miss the miss really significant chunks of next season. And you look at this lineup and it's a little depleted. What's the best way for the Bruins to go about this, Mike? Because Matt Larkin has a piece up on our site right now saying, hey, you know, maybe if you're the Bruins, there's a plan here to tank and look at a draft with Bedard and Mitchkov and go, there's ever a year to kind of sell off some big pieces and kickstart a rebuild. Maybe this is it. Where do you think they should go? Well, if that was the case, why would you go out and grab Hampus Limholm? You know, and I don't mean that you can have him during the term of that contract for a very long time. I understand that. But there's just so many bloated middle class contracts on the Bruins right now. I mean, Nick Felino at 3.8 is an albatross. And I, man, I love Nick Felino, but that deal hasn't worked out well there at all. And, and that's where with the Bruins they don't have the supporting cast right now and they haven't bucked up to pay their big dogs, man. Krug walks out the door. Krejci's not really convinced to stick around. You know, Pasternak is like, this is a $9 million player, man. Like he's going to pot 35, 40, maybe more goals for you. Like night in, night out. He can do that in his sleep. He's not a $6.6 million player. He's not. And this time, man, I don't see him taking the big discount like he did the last time. And, And that's where, I think the Bruins have to make some decisions, man. Like there's a lot of mediocrity in this lineup. Like, can they swing big? Can they get rid of pieces? Who's going to want these kind of bloated contracts? And it's even on D they're locked in on who they have. So Tyler, I just see this as a team that's kind of lost its way. There's a lot of uncertainty and I think it's an absolute lark though, to just decide to tank for one year to go for one player. I think they've got to run it and try to be a decent team. And if it's middle of the season and you realize that that's one thing, but to start a year, I don't like that. I don't think it would send the right message to the players that are there. And you're definitely going to get not going to get Bergeron back if that's the case. Yeah. And we know the East next season is going to be highly competitive. And maybe the one argument for taking your foot off the gas for a year is, okay, if Bergeron maybe does retire, McAvoy's out, Marshawn's out. If you get a King's ransom for Pasternak, you look at a team like the New York Rangers, who it wasn't that long ago when they sold off all those key pieces that they did. And look how quickly they were able to turn it around. Granted, they got some lottery luck, 
in the process mm-hmm. as well. But it'll be fascinating to see which direction the Bruins go. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet did send out a report earlier this morning saying the Bruins' priority is to sign Pasternak, but if he won't sign, then they'll definitely have to move him. He did say that there'll be a meeting between his agent, J.P. Barry, Pasternak, and Bruins GM, Don Sweeney, coming up. Another team facing a very interesting offseason is the Minnesota Wild, and they are now up to $12.6 million in dead cap space with the contracts of Suter and Parisi. A couple areas I want to go with you. The first one is what you see down in that bottom corner there, a picture of Cam Talbot. He's under contract. Mm-hmm. Marc-Andre Fleury's a UFA. How do you see the goalie situation playing out between the pipes and mini? Well, they need another one. We know that. Capo uh, Kakinen was shipped off to the San Jose Sharks at the deadline. So you're looking at Cam Talbot and Cam Talbot. So would you like to bring Marc-Andre Fleury back? Yeah, absolutely. But you can't do it for a big dollar figure, especially with the cap crunch that the Wild are facing, Tyler. So I like this combination of goaltenders. I think Talbot has been very uh, underrated, underappreciated, I even think, in Minnesota during his time there. Um, I think they could work well together. But, man, if you're going to bring Flurry in, it can't be for big dollars. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Flurry not come back. But I also look at the cap space of this club, Tyler. Like, take a look at this, man. There's a lot of RFAs there, isn't there? Well, yeah, like there's a bunch of really interesting things going on here. 7.3 million. Okay, that might not be enough to sign the top guy on this list, Kevin Fiala. Like that right there is is another huge question in their offseason. A guy who had a tremendous season. He's been a pretty consistent producer. He's going to want to raise. I know he has arb rights, um, but that that's probably decision number one before they even get to the mm-hmm. goaltending is figuring out what they're doing with Kevin Fiala because that determines how much money they're going to have to spend on anything else. And they're going to need to move out some contracts if they want to keep Fiala and do all the other necessary work. But do you agree that Fiala is probably the first thing that Bill Guerin needs to check off his checklist? Well, I think you just need to decide, you know, are you keeping Kevin Fiala or not? He went missing for the first half of the season and he went missing in the playoffs. Is this a big time player? I understand his points are big, but these are question marks. And when you have that big of a cap crunch, you have to really think about it. And, you know, if you're Minnesota, you're also facing down the fact that Matt Dumba needs a contract in a year. And that's going to be a big one. Matthew Boldy's going to need one, you know, like Frederick Goudreau. There's a lot of pieces that need it. I almost think that the, that Billy Guerin's going to have to choose between either keeping around Fiala or keeping around Dumba. Cause I don't see how you keep either of those two into the future with this cap hit. It's going to be tough for him to make those decisions. And, and without a doubt in my mind, Minnesota is going to have to try to trim a little fat around the edges here to be able to make any big swings to retain some of their young players. Yeah. And the dead cap space, by the way, it only goes up again next summer. It goes up by another 2 million to just over 14 million. So um, it's not going to get easier for Bill Guerin. The good thing is, you know, they got a couple of interesting contracts there. When you look at a guy like a Hartman, Matt Boldy up in the top six, but if I had to put a percent chance on Fiala and this, just my opinion, I would say there's like a 10% chance he's back with the wild next year. I just think you mentioned how he kind of disappears for some spurts. I don't know if that's a guy you necessarily want to pay $8 million. And if you can find a way to flip Fiala into another good young player on a, on a good contract, maybe not quite as proven. Maybe you have to take a little bit of a risk, kind of like you did when you flipped Granlund for Fiala. You got to take a little bit of a risk, but there's a chance you could find yourself with a good contract that really helps you navigate the next couple of seasons, right? 
I agree with you, Tyler. And I think you're also looking at Boldy to take that next step. I mean, this is a guy who's got a massive skill set. He's just scratching the surface. Can he be even better than Kevin Fiala and at a more manageable cap hit for the next several years? I think so. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what Billy Guerin's looking at as well and wondering. Yeah, they have a couple of other really intriguing prospects throughout their system as well. It'll be fascinating to see how Minnesota navigates their way through what will be a tough offseason with some huge question marks. That's going to do it for our down and out for the day. We're now going to move into our big segment, which is Chris Peters with another edition of The Next Wave. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Always a pleasure to welcome Chris Peters to the show for a little draft talk. And we are about a month away from the NHL draft or a little under a month away, I should say, as it'll go on July 7th. And Chris, I want to take a look at sort of the first round as a whole with you today. And, you know, everyone always talks about rankings and things like that. But what about putting these players into tiers? Where do you see the significant tier drop offs in the first round of this draft? Yeah, well, you know, I think it starts right at the top, you know, and this is pretty typical. I think that the top three players in this draft for me are very tightly bunched together. And then there's a bit of a dip after that. And so the top three guys for me, Logan Cooley, Shane Wright, Uri Slavkovsky, um, those are the guys that, you know, I think you they're so tightly put together in terms of the value of each. Um, they're all a little bit different where you've got Cooley, I think has the most upside. You've got, uh, Slipkowski has the best physical package and then you've got Shane Wright, who's kind of got the track record and also, uh, the highest end hockey sense of anybody in this draft. So that's where you start to see a little bit of a, of a downturn. You got them, you got a couple of the defensemen, you got guys like Cutter Gauthier, Matthew Savoy, Joachim Kamel, kind of in that next tier of players that is tightly bunched. I think that that starts to taper off as we get closer to about 16 and then really from about 16, maybe 20 all the way down to 60, we're not talking about significant differences in players. I think there are still a few players in that first round, that late first round range that are, uh, you know, a step above the guys that we would see in the bottom of that tier. But I think there's a really large segment in that, that, that third tier, if you will, uh, of players that kind of go all the way from late first, all the way down to the end of the second round where you're getting similar kind of players, guys that have flaws here or there, 
Um, and that's true of pretty much any draft that's ever existed. The difference is, I think this year, the quality is just a little bit lower. That's just my opinion. It's not everybody's opinion. That's the case. Uh, but I do think that this is a, you know, below average overall draft. And if you can get into that, those top two tiers, you can still land a significant impact prospect in my mind. So just to follow up on that, then when I hear that, you know, from maybe 20 all the way down to 60, it's similar. That makes me think, you know, maybe there's a team around that 20 mark who goes, hey, we really got to move up here. if We're going to get something of quality. When you look at the first round order here and the first 29 picks now are all set. Are there any teams you're looking at from maybe the 20s who could move up or maybe even some teams higher up who could slide down it a little bit in the trade? Yeah, you know, the team that I'm most interested in in terms of moving up at this point, there, there are a couple, but I, I think Arizona has a package of picks where, you know, they, if they really wanted and desperately needed to get into that number two slot, I think that could be possible. Um, but, you know, also, do they want to package some of their later picks to move up and get another higher first round draft pick? Also a possibility. But the team that I'm really focusing on was the team you guys just talked about, Minnesota Wild. Kevin Fiala, I think, is going to be one of the potential trade ships that we talk about around the draft. As you just mentioned, Tyler, you said maybe a 10% chance that he's back with the team. I tend to agree with you. I think there's a possibility there. Now, say Kevin Fiala plus 24 or plus a second or plus whatever. Can you get into that top 16 range to land an impact prospect? Basically, the Minnesota Wild are in that position right now, as you talked about, with the cap crunch. They have to start you know, finding guys that are going to be able to help them on entry-level contracts maybe sooner than later. Um, and, and that could be as soon as may, not next season, but the season after that, when things really start to tighten up. And I think there are players in that you know, 10 to 16 range where you could find a guy that, that might have a chance to make it to the next level in, in a couple of years. So that's a team that I've got my eye on. It's not certainly not a lock that they'll they'll do anything around that that draft. Um, but I still think that Fiala is a valuable trade chip for teams that are kind of on the cusp. You look at teams like Ottawa and others that you say, hey, we're a couple pieces away here and there. We're really young already. Is there a veteran that we can get to help us? And that's where, you know, I think if you could package that, maybe you start looking at roster players as teams getting moving up into that draft um, as opposed to, you know, the, the typical trade up trade down when it's a package of picks going the other way and teams just trying to collect assets. Chris, I'm kind of interested from this goaltending standpoint, no surprise there, but we've recently seen the success of Jake Ottinger in Dallas, a former first round pick Spencer Knight in Florida, just recently, two years ago, you can even date back to Andre Vasilevsky being a first round pick. And then last year, in the 2021 NHL entry draft, there were two goaltenders that went in the first round, Sebastian Costa, Arcosa, Jesper Wallstad. I'm curious if this tide is starting to change a little bit. If teams are starting to look at the goaltending position now and, and think, you know, it's worth it. We know what we might be getting at a younger age to take a goalie early. And if there will be any that we might see this year go early in the first round or early in the second. Yeah, Mike, you know, it's, I think it all is dependent on the class. And I think this year, the class is certainly weaker than, than any of the last couple that we've had. There are very few guys that I would put a first round. There's, there's no guys in this class that I put a first round grade on. Um, there are more, you know, Tyler Brennan from Prince George. I think he's got a chance to go in the second. Topias Lehnenen from Finland. He's got a chance to go in the second, though he, he weighed in pretty heavy at the combine and that got flagged by a lot of teams where they're like, Oh, you know what? 
you know, we're, we're concerned about that. But again, they're younger guys. They're going to, their bodies are going to change. All sorts of different things are going to happen. But those are the types of guys. But I will say in terms of philosophy of drafting goaltenders, there is more of a, you know, a belief that, that you, you make the right choices. And I think that you have, you know, a kind of archetype of, of the kind of guy that you want to pick. I mean, Vasilevsky was an absolute freak of nature. You look at all of his international numbers. You look at everything that he did in the lead up to the draft. I mean, exceptional. Same with, uh, you know, Sebastian Kosa had a, just a tremendous draft season. Spencer Knight, you know, arguably one of the best American goaltending prospects in a long, long time. Um, and, you know, he had a track record of success. So uh, same with Jesper Wallstead. All those guys tend to gravitate towards playing at a higher level, younger, um, like, you know, Jesper Wallstead played pro games at 16. Um, same with Vasilevsky. Those guys, if, if they show that kind of proclivity at the earlier age, those are the types of guys that are that teams are more interested in drafting. One of the other interesting trends that's kind of coming out, it's Kosa bucked the trend a little bit, but it's becoming increasingly rare to see CHL goaltenders going exceptionally high because you have to make the decision to sign them a lot earlier. And so teams mm-hmm. are looking at players that are on the college track. They're looking at European players, guys that can, they can retain rights for for longer. And those are the types of guys where, you know, say, hey, we, we can do this here or there and make this decision here or there. And those are the types of players that I think you'll continue to see going earlier in the draft because teams have a little bit more timeline. Um, but then, you know, Shesterkin, Sorokin, guys like that, they've proven that you can find quality in the third round as well. Um, so, you know, that's going to be interesting to see. But this year isn't a year where I think the goalies are going to go particularly high. But it is something that I think teams are a little less reluctant to go towards. And all, And one last point on that, many more teams have engaged either their goaltending coach or a specific goaltending mm. scout to to watch these players and that has significantly increased the success rate when you have an expert doing that job it almost makes you kind of think why did it take so long for that to start happening doesn't it <laughs> yeah i mean there's specialists for the everything most important <laughs> position now we're gonna finally put money into it <laughs> time and resources. it's amazing it's amazing uh fan- fantastic insight as always chris this has been another edition of the next wave delivered by doordash dfodd dfodd us 25 percent off and no delivery fees on your first order with those two bad boys chris we are less than a month away from the draft which means even less time to the two of us are sharing a cold beer in montreal can't wait can't wait buddy see you there sticking with the off-season talk in our daily inbox question hashtag ask dfo mike we talked a little bit about kevin fiala earlier in the show we've talked about kevin fiala a lot today on the show actually but the inbox question today what pending rfa are you most interested in watching play out in this offseason, you can see the top five scores here on your screen. I always point the wrong way. Top five scores on your screen. Mike, which one catches your eye? Which one are you most interested in? It's like looking in the rearview mirror, right? You got to go the opposite know, direction. Jesper right? um, Bratt. Okay, I'm very curious to see what the Devils do with him. He's their leading scorer this year, 73 points in 77 games, and he's turning four, turning 24 over the summer. So, is this somebody you're going to look at amongst your core? You've got Hughes, you've got Heischer tied up very long term, uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton as well. I think that Brat drove an awful lot of the offense for the, for the Devils. And that's obvious in the point totals, but it's the way he plays. I think he plays really hard, plays well. It's a guy I'd want to keep, but is he going to be six and a half mil? Is he going to be seven mil? Maybe more? The key for me on this one, Tyler, is term. 
I, I think it could be really interesting to see how long the Devils go should they choose to retain Brett, which I absolutely would. I would expect them to. How about you? What? Who? Anybody from this list stand out? Yeah, well, I had Brat written down as well, just because off this list, he's probably, you could argue, the least famous name when you go like outside mm-hmm. of these teams' markets, right? Like Kachuk, Fiala, Roberts, and Dubois, these guys get talked about a ton. And Brat's just kind of, oh, oh I'm, I'm almost a point a game at 23 years old. And you look at how much money they gave Hughes, and I would imagine Brat looked at that deal and said, hey, I produce just as much. Like, I should be up in that range as well. So I'll be fascinated to see, right, do they want to go long-term with him and buck up and give him six and a half million dollars or even more on a long-term deal or will the devil sit there and go we have so many young forwards and even more guys coming mm-hmm. with holts in their system do they sit there and go you know what we need the money to get some vets in here like if they want to take the next step do they look at this and go you know maybe we bridge brat get the aav down they do have a lot of money to spend this offseason though do they just bridge them and then do they go and get a vet with some of the money they saved there uh that one i, I agree with you actually i'm not even going to say another answer brat's the pick like the, He's our decision. guy. It's That's our horse, to, man. Not, <laughs> our boy. Me and you will uh, will release a podcast or something when they finally sign him to break down how it played out. But uh, yeah, I just think it's not getting talked about as much as some of those other big decisions, but it's probably more fascinating than all of them. Yeah. And, you know, comparables are interesting on him. It's tough to kind of find one. So um, yeah. I, I think he's he holds the key there. And I, I really, really like the player, man. And that's what it comes down yeah. to. And if I'm the devils, you got to keep him around. Yeah, I've watched him in person a handful of times. And every time I do, I always kind of walk away going like, why aren't we talking about this guy more? Mm-hmm. And then a month goes by, Same. I see him play again. And I go, we need to watch this. We need to talk about this guy more. All right. Totally, uh, let's dude. move like, on to our. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> let's move on to our daily bed segment. <laughs> we're just waxing poetic about Yes, for Canada. He's our guy. <laughs> I know. We're just we're just way too fired up about Yes, for Brett. Uh, let's uh, no hockey to bet on tonight. But I figured this was a good chance to take a look at some of the series odds over at points bet Canada. As you can see, these are the odds tomorrow night. This is the odds to win the series, though. And what's interesting about this, and for me, this is maybe a bit of a lesson in how to handle series betting going forward in the NHL. The Tampa Bay Lightning opened at about this number. They lost the first two games before they'd even played on home ice. They had shifted all the way up to plus money. Even after game one, they were down at almost even money to win this series. They win their two home games. The odds have reset. Goes to show if you like a team, don't be scared away from betting on them just because they don't start the series hot. And I think that's an interesting lesson here. The Lightning probably aren't worth a bet at this point. But if they were to lose game five, they probably shift somewhere closer back to even money. And at that point, it just might be worth a wager. I think this series is going to go seven games. I think the Rangers do have one more win in them, but I know the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions are not going to go down without a fight. That's why I'm eyeing up the seven-game mark at the bottom, minus 110. It's a pretty good payout. They have it priced at pretty much a coin flip, which I suppose makes a little bit of sense. And who wins game five? Well, that'll probably determine the length of this series because if Tampa steals one at MSG, then you really like their chances of ending it in six. I just don't think they can beat this Rangers team in Igor Shesterkin four times in a row, which is why I like betting on this series to go seven games at minus 110. Mike, what's your take? Do you think we're, uh, do you think we're getting seven games here in this one? You know, my gut feeling says that Tampa comes into MSG and barnstorms the place and this series is done in six. I, I had the series oh, in five wow. leading up to it. And I think the Shesterkin's always the X factor here, but with, yeah. especially if Strom can't play if Heedle's not 100%. You just see how important the center ice is position. I think it's a big uphill battle for the Rangers. 
Yeah, and it could very well be if they don't come through with a win tomorrow night on home ice, Thursday night, obviously, game five of the Eastern Conference Final. Let's wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. Mike, what do you got for me? Well, you know, we recently found out that Chris Dreger uh, is out seven to nine months after tearing his ACL at the I, at the IIHF World Championships. And, you know, that's you can look at this as a big blow to the Kraken, but to me, it's the biggest blow to the player. You know, you don't want to get hurt at an international competition where, let's be honest, man, world championships, like you're only playing this for the pride of wearing the jersey for your country. Okay. Nobody goes there and resurrects a career or, or gets on the radar or somebody. That's rare, man. It's, it's purely pride. And I think that this for managers and owners of NHL teams is kind of like lending your car out and somebody wrecks it. You know what I mean? Like you're looking at it like, oh no, now we have to fix this problem that we really didn't want to do to start with, but we knew it was the right thing to let my buddy borrow the car or let the player play in the world championships because the player can get hurt training in the summer too. But it's a tough pill to swallow, man. I, if I'm a manager, I still, I wouldn't want to keep my players from being able to play in these international tournaments. But the, but the gut reaction is just, ugh. Because now the Kraken have to figure out what they're going to do going into next season with goaltending. And and that'll have a ripple effect on down throughout the league. And I always think the the worlds at the end of the season are always such a unique event because it gives guys like a Chris Dreger, like when else would he ever get a shot to wear the Maple Leaf, right? And, and represent right. his country. And so that's why I think you'd have a tough time with some of these guys in there and be like, hey, we'd really prefer if you just focused on training when for some of them, it's kind of a bit of a once in a lifetime experience, but obviously a yep. big blow for him. That's, I mean, you go to the extreme of that nine months, he's pretty much going to miss all of next season or close to what 80, 90% of the regular season. So a big blow. And it certainly does make you think, and I love the analogy about letting the buddy borrow the car. And then you get the call an hour later saying, uh, you're not going to like this. <laughs> I bend it. It's in the ditch. (laughs) Uh, All right. That's going to be a wrap for another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show here on June 8th. No hockey tonight, but it's springtime. Go enjoy the weather and the hockey will return tomorrow and we'll be here to preview it. In the meantime, keep it locked on Daily Faceoff for all your off-season talk needs. Matt Larkin's got a new article up on the Bruins that you should check out. And we'll be back here tomorrow at noon Eastern. Have a good day. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.